Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 46, From Feeling Unlovable to Embracing Life. Stephanie Hutchkins, author of Transformation After Trauma, Embracing Post-Traumatic Growth, and the owner of Serotonous Life, helps individuals overcome trauma and cope with stress. In today's episode, we talk about the power of self-love, the importance of goal setting, and boundaries. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. I am so excited to have Stephanie here today as our guest. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Corinne. How are you? I am feeling blessed and happy. Oh, excellent. (laughs) And I always start out the show talking about the love lesson. And the love lesson is essentially something that's happened in your life. It could be a series of events, but it's something that pretty much brought you to your knees and it was a catalyst for your change. And in that change and transformation, you are now the person that you are today doing the work and the service that you're presenting to the world. And I would love to hear your love lesson. Oh, well, thank you for this opportunity um, to share my love lesson. So, um, I have an extensive um, trauma history and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time going into it, but most of it occurred um, throughout my childhood and adolescent years. And and much of it um, involved being hurt in various ways by different men in, in my life or that I came into contact with. And I always for years felt I was unlovable and undeserving of love. And, um, and I really, um, acquired a lot of self-destructive habits, um, particularly promiscuity to prove that I was lovable. I would try to just gain my love in all sorts of ways through men. And it, um, What ended up happening though, is when I was 24, I met a man that loved me in ways I never imagined. And unfortunately, a year later, right before um, I was ready to close on the house, um, we were getting ready to move into together, um, he died and I was the one who found him. And my whole world just came crashing down at that point. Um, I had always had a very difficult relationship with food and have struggled for years with an eating disorder. But after he passed away, my eating just got out of control. And um, I, I weighed over at one point 222 pounds. I had high cholesterol and sleep apnea before the age of 30. And I just didn't think life was worth living anymore. And I just, I was being very self-destructive at that point. I was trying to look for the love that I had lost, you know, when he passed away through other men. So I wasn't just looking now to prove I was lovable. I was looking to replicate what I had lost. So I became even more self-destructive and um, I wasn't able to work. I was like just barely surviving. There were days I would go days on end without bathing or brushing 
my teeth. And it was, and my mother was having to financially support me at that time. And she didn't have the financial resources to do that. And at one point she just said, enough is enough, Stephanie. She got to a point where she was like, I cannot continue to financially support you until you get help. And she came with a list of therapists um, for me to contact. And, and she said, you have to get help. And, and she drew that line in the sand. And that was very difficult for me. And for a few days were very rough, but then I started to look at where I was in my life and just how, how far my self-loathing had gone and just how self-destructive I was. And, and at that moment, I started to make incremental changes. I started to set little goals for myself. Like I would write them in my journal. Okay, today I'm going to take a shower. Today I'm going to brush my teeth. Today I'm going to take out the trash. And some people, they don't understand. So we're going to probably talk more about my book and my coaching practice later. But my work all focuses on mainly on helping people who have experienced trauma and moving forward and goal setting is extremely important in the work that I do. And a lot of people think that's odd to incorporate goal setting as a critical component in healing from trauma. But for me, it was critical. And some of my earliest goals to some people may sound simple, but they were some of the hardest for me because they involved practicing self-love. And I did not feel I fundamentally deserved to be loved. And so practicing basic self-care is a form of self-love. And for me, that was really hard. But something amazing started to happen. That as I started to show myself that I was deserving of love, it had a, a snowball effect to it. That it's it like as I started to work in one area of my life, I wanted to start taking care of others. So as I started to take care of my physical body, I started to lose that desire to seek out men to prove that I was lovable because I was proving to myself that I was lovable. And I started to seek out um, ways to help me start losing the weight and to heal. And that led me to the mountains. I actually started hiking and it was really interesting. So I'm morbidly obese and I'm starting to hike and like every little hill I climbed felt like as big as Mount Everest. (laughs) So it was really challenging, but something really interesting started to happen is as I pushed my body in mind physically, I started to grow mentally and physically in a really powerful way. And I, so the weight started to fall off. I started to feel better. I was able to start working again. And I ultimately ended up going into teaching um, on the college level. I finished my PhD and, and now I've gone on to have a coaching practice where I help people transform after their trauma like I have. And that's again, the purpose of my book as well. It's called transformation after trauma, because I truly believe that's what's possible Mm -hmm. um, after trauma and in every component of, again, of both my coaching practice and my book, both involve not only goal setting, but self-love practices and self-care practices, because we can't really heal until we feel that we're deserving and we show ourselves that we're deserving of healing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because without that self-love and that desire to change, nothing really shifts. And I, I commend your mom for creating that boundary because it really forces forced you to go within to make that decision for yourself to be accountable for yourself to make that shift to really want to change and -hmm. i feel like that's probably the hardest part yeah is taking that first step to be like okay i'm gonna make the transition to heal and i really appreciate those healing practices because i also do that for myself and for my clients because i feel like those practical steps that seem little but they can change your life because it really takes you out of your orbit of what you think is possible for yourself in moving into something into something different absolutely (laughs) yeah so i love the title of your book we were just talking about it earlier Mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear. So can you tell us the title and how it works? Because that was such a beautiful explanation. Oh, absolutely. So uh, my book title is Transformation After Trauma, Embracing Post-Traumatic Growth. And it's, you know, I, I also want to bring in my business here because both of them are very closely intertwined. And my my business is called Serotonous Life. And serotonous, serotony, this concept of serotony refers to um, a concept in the environment where like pine cones, for example, some pine cones um, are serotonous, meaning that they require an environmental trigger, um, like a trauma in order for growth to happen. And, um, And a lot of people spend a good portion of their lives resisting difficult experiences. And if they do go through difficult experiences, they spend an enormous amount of time wishing that it never happened and ruminating over what they have lost and what will never be. And both through my book and my business, I really focus on what is possible because of the trauma, not in spite of it, but because of it. And and it really requires a dramatic shift in thinking Mm -hmm. to start thinking of what is possible now that you have experienced this immense loss, for example, you know, what would have never been possible. So like, for example, with myself, I have an, an immense, um, Uh, level of empathy and compassion I can, you know, express towards others, you know, on a very deep level, I can connect with people. And I don't think that I could have ever done that without going deep into the depths of my own despair. Like I'm able to be with people there because I understand that space you know? And, and so with my book, what I aim to do with it is to help people. I didn't want to bring people really deep into my trauma, but I brought them far enough in so they could understand that I could be there and I get them. Mm -hmm. And, and then what I do is walk them through the steps that I took to be able to heal through from my trauma. And I take them through all the different techniques I used um, from meditation, creative expression, um, and just different exercises. And really, again, most of it's based on the concepts of self-care, which is, again, self-love right. and how they can incorporate it into their own lives. Mm-hmm. So it's very practical. Yeah, I love <laughs> um, it. And I mean, it's like one of the things I always am talking about 
it's turning that victim mindset to the victor mindset. Because if we think about all the bad things that have happened to us and it's like, why me and poor me and going into that victim space, it's so difficult to move out of that into a place where you can feel like you are in charge of your life and you're creating and manifesting the, the life of your dreams if you feel like you're blaming the whole world for your problems. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I've been there. It's hard to make that shift and to really start to see, okay, these quote unquote bad things happened to me for a specific reason. And if they didn't happen to you or me, I wouldn't be the person I am and I wouldn't have the experiences I have. So being able to have that mind shift is so critical for the, for self-healing and getting over trauma. And it's really hard when it's been very, very traumatic traumas like rapes or sexual assault or slave trade. I mean, there's some that are seem some traumas feel impossible to have that mindset shift, but it is possible. It absolutely is. And it opens up a world of opportunities once you're able to make that shift. And because, and I think in many ways, the harder, the more difficult it is to make that transition in that mindset shift, the more miraculous the the, the experience will be on the other side. You know, the, the struggle you'll have to go through to reach that transformation in your mindset, like that will change you in a, into a completely different person that mm -hmm. could actually just change the world in many ways. Like, right. I, and I, I try to really encourage people like that is going to take a lot of work. You know, the more difficult your experience is, the harder that process is going to be, but the stronger you're going to become at the end of it. You know, I spent my years, um, so I was taught on the college level for 12 years, and I spent most of those years teaching about the human body. And one thing that I like to always tell people is just all of the ways that you can see this in our bodies that are like, take our, our muscles and our bones, for example, our muscles and our bones only grow stronger if you place stress on it. Right. And the more stress you place on it, the stronger they're going to be. And so, and this is true in our emotional lives as well, is that our greatest struggles, you know, and, and we're the strong, the greater our struggles, the more difficult it's going to be to get through it, but the stronger we're going to be on the other side of that journey. And it just, again, opens up an immense amount of possibilities to us when we, we really gather, harness that strength that we've acquired through that journey. It's exciting. And so that's why I'd love to share it yeah. because it's very exciting what's possible. Oh, <laughs> I the love other I mean, side. I I live and breathe it. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. It's definitely mm -hmm. amazing. Only I feel like it's amazing for people that have gone through the have gone through it and have gone to the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you go through all this pain and and you're working yourself through this muck, it doesn't feel good. But when you get to the other side, it feels so miraculous that you're ready to take on whatever that's going on inside of you because you know that on the other side you have such a deep deep sense of freedom that it makes it all worth it. And for me, the trauma, one aspect of the trauma that I also take, in to heart, take to heart is that me working through the trauma for myself also gives permission for other people to do the same because I feel like so many people can't do it, which is why they come to coaches and they read the books and they find the people, they listen to podcasts like this to give them inspiration that they can shift and that they can move forward and they don't have to live in this mindset 
mindset of victimhood and feeling like life is against them. Wow. And you used a word that I just love, freedom, a bit ago. And isn't that really what comes with this shift is a great sense of freedom. And, And you make an excellent point with podcasts and books is, you know, it's hard to change our way of thinking if we don't input new information right. in our mind. So that's where the podcasts and the audiobooks and all these things come in is because that was very important to me early on is because I only had this replay of very negative information in my mind. Mm-hmm. I made a point um, to start listening to um, audiobooks and reading books and listening to YouTube videos that were very motivational to input that information into my mind so that it wasn't just me replaying negative inputs. It was me hearing these voices saying that if it was possible for them, that it's possible for me too. And it helped change my belief system when I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And I tell that to my clients as well. Like you have to build the positive voice muscle, right? Because a negative one has free reign it's kind of like huge in our mind and our positive voice is very 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 small so essentially it's like going to the gym you really have to push that positive voice all the time and if that means listening to music watching movies videos like keeping everything positive and upbeat to help you get to that place of positivity within your mind that's kind of what you need to do and i think in the beginning it's a lot of work like you have to like really make a lot of effort to stay positive, to like look at the glass as always full, having this upbeat attitude in the beginning. I I mean, even for me in the beginning, it was like, you kind of have to fake it till you make it. Cause I don't, I didn't necessarily feel positive, but I was just like, I want to be a positive person. So I have to push this positivity at all angles all the time until I feel like it's, it becomes natural and becomes who I am. Yeah. And I think that you make a good point is that people often think that they have to wait to do the thing until they feel ready. Like they have to wait to start listening to the positive input. They have to wait to practice self-care until they feel um, deserving or ready. But no, it's actually the other way around. You practice these things when you don't feel like it. So you will start changing your beliefs. Like that's a thing. Like you do it to build right. the belief, you know? Um, so you will feel ready to move forward. And so, and it is really difficult to do it when you don't want to, when you don't see the need. Um, and so, Um, But it's really important. And so I really commend all of your listeners that are here and that are on that journey and willing to do the steps um, that are necessary to move to the other side of the healing journey, you know, where there's, you know, a wealth of opportunities available to them. Yeah. And I love going back to your goals because I feel like that's also an, an important aspect of changing and creating a different life for yourself because that positivity I feel like is important tied into the goal setting because there are going to be moments when you're going to be down and you're going to be negative and you're going to feel like what the crap is happening. (laughs) And I feel like having those tools in your toolbox really help to motivate you and push you forward. And I really appreciate your goals. And so do you like, can you give us like an example of how you would do that for yourself or an example of what you would give a client in terms of setting a a simple goal that they can do every day to get there. 
Absolutely. So um, what I, I'm a huge fan of the wheel of life activity. Um, and I'm not sure for listeners that aren't aware of this, it's a very um, popular tool and um, there's many variations out there. Um, but essentially what it does is it has them look at all of the different facets of their life, you know, health, finance, career, all these different things. And, and it has them look at where they are currently in relationship to where they want to be. And, and so I encourage everyone, you know, whether you do the wheel of life or not, that just to look at, you know, where are you in these different, like, where are you in your career in relationship to where you want to be? Where are you in your finances in relationship to where you want to be and so on and so forth. And then look at, if you were to choose one goal, just one, Okay, not a whole bunch because we don't want you to get overwhelmed, but what one goal would have the greatest positive impact on all of the er other areas of your life? And so, and this is an interesting thing because I often find that when people go into goal setting, they want to choose goals that in an area of their life that they're already excelling in. And, and a lot of times it's very interesting that I find people want to have like a career goal, for example, but their relationships are already suffering. Their health is already suffering. Other things are already suffering, but they want to pursue a goal that's already like, um, that's already in an area that's making the rest of their life sort of disjointed. And so I really encourage people to look at, you know, why they're wanting to pursue a certain goal and, and really to look at, um, again, a goal that will have the great, that will bring things most in line and not knock other areas out of balance. And so, um, and so it's looking at like, what is that one thing what is that one thing that would make the greatest difference? And sometimes it's, I don't want to say sometimes, a lot of times it's making a change in your health, for example, taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so improving your sleep, improving um, your, your level of exercise, the way you eat. Because I've studied the human body and taught about it for so many years, I know that the way that we treat our body as far as sleep and exercise and what we put into it can impact how we interact with our environment. And so if we don't have enough sleep or where our sugar levels are all out of balance, it can make us very moody or irritable and difficult to be around. And so that can impact our relationships. It can impact our work. And so a lot of times, and what's interesting is when we're pursuing our financial goals, our career goals, we often let our health slide. And so I encourage everyone, if they're not knowing where to start in their journey, pick health <laughs> and pick one aspect of their health that they can work on. Again, not to overload them. So pick their sleep or their exercise or their diet and work on improving one facet of it. I'm a huge um, proponent of chunking down goals into baby steps so you can experience small wins. And as you create new healthy habits and it's sustainable, you can incorporate one more new habit. 
And then what's that sustainable? One more. And so you're trying to create new habits that are sustainable for the long term and not create goals that are going to overwhelm you. And that's how I've done it all along is I've just worked from the bottom up again, basics of brushing my teeth and, you know, um, just taking care of myself. And as I did that and made all of the uh, steps that came afterwards easier, everyone was easier after that because I felt better. How can you do a good job in any other aspects of your life if you don't feel good? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am always going to go to health first as an acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. It's always like the the first thing, right? It's like, you know, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Because biochemically, if that's not working, then it's really hard for your brain to function normally, for you to have the actual physical energy to focus on that. I mean, it's like, that's kind of basic foundational work. It's working out every day, working out as much as you can, like breathing, drinking water, hydration. That's all of those things are so important for overall health and wellness and just feeling like alive and part of the world. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So let's get into some infinite love questions. Okay. So what, how, well, the question is, how do you use love in your work? So I always aim to allow, I always want people to feel seen and heard. See, and I I think this is, this is going to come up further in our conversation and I'm sort of jumping, but I have always felt like I was not seen and what I felt was not important. And so how I want to be shown love is I want people to show that they see me and they hear me and that what I'm saying and what I am matters. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that I need to give what I want to receive. So if I want to always feel seen and heard and like I matter, then I need to give that to everyone I interact with. And so I really try not to have this be just a foundational part of my work, which it is, of course, but I have it just be a foundational way of how I exist in the world. And of course, there's times where I get in my own head and, you know, my own problems are overtaking me and maybe I'm not the best version of myself. But in general, I always aim to just um, just make people feel like they matter. Um, and that their existence matters. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love that you said that because I was actually going to ask you <laughs> that question and it kind of like the answer kind of came up in this question because I feel like that's like number one. Like, you know, you mentioned that you felt unworthy and not didn't feel love. And I had the same pain point where I grew up feeling like no one loved me, that I wasn't worthy of love. And then I had to make that internal shift to be like, okay, like I want to be the love that I've always wanted. I want to make people feel worthy. I want to feel make people feel nourished. I mean, this is why I have this on the wall, right? You are loved, right? Because I want to be the love that I want to give and receive. And I feel like that's a huge part of like overcoming trauma is that those pain points, the opposite of whatever traumatic thing happened to you, it's like that becomes your superpower in a lot of ways, right? Because- the empathy, all of those stuff becomes like your bandwidth is so much deeper that you can actually become that state of what you want to give to others. And that makes a totally 
different experience in life where you're like that person like i want to give love i want to give this i want to make people feel seen i want to make people feel nourished i want to make people feel included and these are all aspects of love making people feel like we are all here together working out this place called earth (laughs) (laughs) i know and you know actually my favorite a mantra that i repeat to myself and i use it for my meditate many of my meditations is it's a quote that's attributed to gandhi is be the change you wish to see in the world exactly and i really take that to heart that um how can i expect people in the world to act any differently than i do when i'm interacting with other people so right. i need to be what i i wish to see when i'm interacting with people and yeah. so i try my best to practice that throughout my days absolutely it t- it's a, pretty much taking 100% responsibility for who you are mm-hmm. and all your actions which goes back to being a victor and not a victim. Because if you're a victim, then you're blaming everyone else. And then you can't really be in that state of giving because you're always feeling like you want to get. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Second question. How is your work used to serve humanity? Hmm. Well, I, I really want people to not, not only do I not want them, do I want them to feel heard and seen, but I don't want them to feel alone in their suffering. You know, it, it's so fascinating to me that, so most of the women in my life have been sexually violated. And I have been sexually violated multiple times. And the interesting thing is, is that most everyone in my sphere that I know that has been sexually violated, most all of them have never told a person or they've only told a couple of people. And there's this thing that happens to so many people in the world and we don't talk about it. So what ends up happening is people feel extremely isolated and alone when actually the larger majority of people actually understand exactly what you're going through, but nobody talks about it. And so I, in my work, aim to be vulnerable and in what I find is that when I am vulnerable, it gives people permission to be vulnerable as well. And what I aim to do with my work is to create, I guess, just this sense of just togetherness in that we um, not only understand each other's struggles, but we can lean on one another as we move forward. Like we don't actually have to move forward. Much of this work, yes, does have to be done, done internally, but you don't have to feel like you're moving through these struggles all on your own. There's a whole host of people that understand those struggles and that, and that you're not alone. And I think that's really that not being alone is very important to me because I felt like I was on an island living, you know, like I was like a foreigner, like nobody understood me mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't, didn't belong. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And I just want people to know they, they belong and, and that again, their existence matters and that they don't have to be ashamed of what has happened to them that actually that's going to provide them with immense gifts to serve um, humanity um, in great ways, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a, it's interesting how trauma makes you feel so alone and isolated and it's, and you're right. It's an experience that 
thousands, if not millions of people share. But, and, and of course, it, it, when it happens when you're young, it's even more isolating, right? Because you feel like you can't talk to anybody. But it's one of these things where like when, when, when you start talking about it, you're like amazed. I'm like, oh, wow, so many people. Like when I, like, I was always ashamed to say that I felt unloved because I felt like it's such a basic emotion that you assume that everyone feels loved growing up and everyone has amazing parents and but most people don't and then when when i when i started to talk about it i'm like wow i'm not i i thought it was this big deal that i would whisper like i felt unloved like oh. <laughs> and then now i'm just like i feel like everyone has that wound it's like not even i i'm not even special in that way it's more like i'm special cuz i got out of it and i mo i moved towards i moved out of it in my own way but it's like the the wound is pretty basic that a lot of people have and once I got that out of my mind, it felt I felt relieved. I was like, oh, I could talk about it because I know somebody else is going to feel this way. You know, it's it really it actually was a relief once I started talking about it because I was like, oh, this is not something special. It's not it's everyone feels this way on a certain level. So, you know, and being able to feel connected and talk with people with similar circumstances changes that narrative, you know, it, you know, it changes like you may have that narrative of like shame and insecurity around these feelings. But once you find others feel the same way, it is able to lift right. some of that, you know, and and it's not so heavy. It's like, cause you're not carrying it by yourself anymore. Right. And, and I think there's immense power in being able to share your story with people who understand what you're going through. And I understand that you have to be careful. Sometimes you can't overshare and you have to be careful with who you're sharing your story with. But once you, you find, once you start opening up, you'll find you're, you're really, there's a lot more people that get what you're going through than you right. previously expected. And again, I, it makes the journey a lot, a lot easier, you know, once Absolutely. you have partners to go along with you. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Hmm. So I'm very driven um, by service. I have an immense desire to serve. And I feel that um that I just, I feel it's, it's my duty here on earth to give something back to, you know, give more than I've received. And, and that's really, I guess, so it's, it's really about doing what I can to help those while I'm here. You know, I guess the book was my way of helping people even once I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, but that's really, that's how I see myself is just serving. And I've been able to, I've been grateful to be able to serve in many capacities. I was a professor again for many years. And I, I was able to serve in many ways in that capacity. And now I'm able to reach people in a whole new way. And, and, and as long as I'm, I'm serving, I'm feeling I'm, I'm doing my life's work and, and that's what I'm meant to do, you know, is to be of service. What do you love most about your life? Hmm. You know, what's interesting is it's actually my relationships. And why I say that's interesting is because most when because most of my traumas occurred when I was young um, and they were by people and people I was supposed to trust many of them. 
Um, I aimed through much of my life to be as independent as possible and to not need anybody else, to not need anybody financially, emotionally, anything. And I wanted to never have to depend on another person so I didn't have to get close to other people so I wouldn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a good chunk of my my life um, keeping a distance from people and not having strong relationships. And what I realized is I was being hurt by that. I was actually missing out. And so in recent years, I have made a very like diligent effort of improving my relationships with um, family and friends. And it has just enriched my life beyond measure, um, my relationships have. And and I consider them to be my greatest asset. Um, And 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 here I was planning to go the rest of my life without needing relationships. And it's what I found I needed and want the most, actually. Okay. I love that. How do you feel you receive love? Well, so that's what I was saying earlier is that I... I feel that people are loving, showing me love when they listen. Like I am very sensitive to people being on their phones or looking away when I'm talking. Like I am very like in tune to paying attention to people and how they're receiving me and trying to see like, do I matter to them? Does my existence just show having to look for proof that I matter to them and And so it is really important to me that the people in my, um, my circle, um, they reaffirm for me that I matter by, by paying attention to me. And, and so all of these relationships uh, that I have, they are, they're very good at that. And, and they, they reaffirm for me that I matter. And, and then the more deeply in love I fall with them and the more I make them feel that they matter. So it's this positive feedback cycle that, you know, the more they show me love, the more I'm like, Oh, I want to love you even more. (laughs) And it's just, you know, our relationship, relationships just blossom even more you know it's beautiful actually (laughs) nice when do you feel the most love well I guess that's it's sort of the same you know like when people are are just there with me and and they're um not rushing to get away from me whether it's on the phone or in person and and just just being with me and and them showing me that that they like that you know okay yeah (laughs) so my favorite question is where has love created a miracle in your life (laughs) well i think this is what we brought up earlier with my mother putting down her foot and saying enough is enough, Stephanie, you know, you got to get help. And her and I, my mother and I have a very special relationship and, and her and I have spent a lot of time talking about this. And she has told me that she struggled a lot with that decision to put her foot down and to say that she was going to stop helping me. She struggled, um, but she just felt she needed to do that. And it was, I, it was what I needed in that, that moment. And I don't know where I would be if she didn't put, she didn't say enough is enough because I don't know if I had would was ready to reach that point on my own. And, and 
I, I was very suicidal at that time. And I literally don't, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, I don't think I would be here if she didn't do that. And I live a great life now. I mean, since that time, I, I have completed my PhD. I've traveled around the world. You know, I have a great career. I have amazing relationships, a beautiful home. I, I just have so much to be grateful for. And I don't, again, think any of it would have been possible without her, her um, showing me love in that that strong way, you know, and it was hard for her and she did it even though it was hard and it changed my life, you know. I think that's such a great example because I think sometimes people think love as all the positive things, right? You know, nourishing, everything that we talked about, right? Inclusivity, all of that. But love it can also be harsh in the sense where this is a line that, you know, we're doing something good for you. Sometimes it doesn't feel loving but it's totally loving it's like if you're running across the street and somebody pulls you because a car is going to come out of the way that's love you know like they're pulling you out they're saving you but in the in the moment it feels very it feels harsh or it feels traumatic yeah. but that's also mama's love i mean yeah. it doesn't just come from the mom but Oh, of course. But I think what she did was she set a boundary. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is boundary setting is a way to show love, you know, to yourself and others. Like we have very fluid boundaries sometimes, especially people who have experienced trauma can have, you know, have trouble with boundary setting. And in sometimes setting strong boundaries for yourself or others is, again, a very powerful way to show somebody love, including yourself. Um, but it can be hard, you know, it's hard to draw that line in the sand, but sometimes it's essential. Yeah, it totally is. I know I've, I've created them for myself. As you said, I've created boundaries that I won't cross within mm -hmm. myself and it's hard, you know, it's hard deciding, okay, I'm not going to be mean to people. Like that's my own boundary, but you know, sometimes you, you always get tested. Yeah. Life tests you. It does. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I so appreciate you being on the podcast. Tell people where they can find your information and how they can work with you and get your book. Yeah. So um, my book's on many um, locations, but probably the easiest place to go is Amazon because it has all three versions. Um, so you can go to uh, type in transformation after trauma and um the, and you can put in my name too. You'll see it under Stephanie M. Hutchins, PhD. You can also go to Facebook. Um, that's my most used platform. And you can type in Stephanie M. Hutchins, PhD, um, and it'll come up. Um, and uh, my website, you'll see it on, on Facebook or these other places. But if you go to serotonouslife.com forward slash help, you'll be able to access um, a list of my favorite resources like videos and books and articles for overcoming trauma and dealing with stress. So, um, and ever, you know, always reach out um, with an email or, or message if you have any questions. I love that. Thank you so much. And I am sending you so much love. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.